In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the first book of J.R.R. Tolkien's trilogy, The Lord of the Rings, the wizard Gandalf speaks to the hobbit Frodo on a sunny morning in the Shire and reveals to him that the mysterious ring that has come into the possession of the hobbit is the ancient master ring, the one ring to rule them all, lost long ago by the dark lord, Sauron the Great, to the great weakening of his power. The dark lord greatly desires it, Gandalf warns, but he must not get it. And Frodo, Tolkien writes, sat silent and motionless, Fear seemed to stretch out a vast hand, like a dark cloud rising in the east and looming up to engulf him. Gandalf goes on to tell him that the Dark Lord has begun again to grow in power. And Frodo says, I wish it need not have happened in my time. And Gandalf replies, so do I. And so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. Advent confronts us with the decision of which Gandalf speaks. It calls us to decide what to do with the time that is given us. And it reveals to us the character of the time that is given us, and it calls us to decide now what to do with that gift. We have become accustomed to speaking of the time we live in as unprecedented, and I confess that I've talked about it in similar terms in this strange year of 2020. All of us, to be sure, long for a return to what we think of as normal life. Notwithstanding all of this, as the novelist John Green reminds us, our time is actually totally precedented. It is by no means the first time we have had occasion to pray for deliverance from plague, pestilence, and famine, as we just prayed in the litany, and it is likely not to be the last. So we should apply what C.S. Lewis says about wartime, to this time of the virus. Namely, that it creates no absolutely new situation. It simply aggravates the permanent human situation so that we can no longer ignore it. In such a time, Lewis writes, we see unmistakable the sort of universe in which we have all along been living, and we must come to terms with it. If we thought we were building up a heaven on earth, if we looked for something that would turn the present world from a place of pilgrimage into a permanent city satisfying the soul of man, we are disillusioned and not a moment too soon, he says. Advent teaches us the same. It strips away our illusions about our life and times. And it teaches us that we live now in the time of this mortal life in which Jesus Christ came to visit us in great humility, 
and that therefore our time is necessarily a time of waiting, of waiting for the last day, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the quick and, his de- and the dead and to raise his saints to life immortal. Advent reveals the time given us as the time of waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and a time always so characterized in war and in peace, in our time of tribulation and in time of our prosperity. Our time is an Advent time, a time of waiting. It's the time characterized by the penultimate, a time tensed between the already of the victory of our Lord Jesus and the not yet of the universal establishment of his reign, a time in which the sovereignty of Christ remains disputed, the time in which his kingdom has not yet come on this earth as it is in heaven, a time in which the powers of darkness have been vanquished, yes, but retain their deathly power. And as such, our present time is one marked by suffering and death. For we do not yet see the glory that is to be revealed, the glory for which, as St. Paul tells us, the whole creation longs, waiting for it with eager longing. We know, he says, that the whole creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth, groaning in travail together until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves groan inwardly as we wait for the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved, he goes on to say. Now what is seen, now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Waiting, as we have all learned this year, is wearying. It demands patience and endurance. And it is beset with temptations, not least the temptations brought about by boredom or by difficulty or by despair in the face of what seems an interminable delay of what we wait for. In short, we find ourselves in the position of the doorkeeper, the porter in the parable. It is with us as the case of a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. The master gives the porter the task of watching the door. The porter must decide what to do in the time of his master's absence. Will he do what the master has given him to do? Or knowing what his master wants, will he nevertheless not make ready or act according to his will? When his master returns, will he find the doorkeeper patiently and diligently performing his duties? Or will he find him sleeping? We are like that doorkeeper. Our Lord has gone away on a far journey, 
and has given to every man his work, to each a task of his own. And we must decide what to do while we wait for our Lord to return. The question is, will we or will we not do what he has given us to do? What is it that our Lord has given us to do? St. Paul puts it with crystal clarity in his letter to the church at Corinth. We are those whom God has called to be saints. That is our work as Christians, to be holy, to be saints. That is, we are called to be sanctified, set apart for the service of God, called to offer ourselves, our souls and bodies, as reasonable, holy, and living sacrifices unto the Lord, who says, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Now, the language of holiness can confuse us, I think. We need to remind ourselves that the call to be holy extends to every aspect of our lives. It's not confined to a limited corner of our lives called spiritual or religious. Rather, every nook and cranny of our lives is to be made holy, offered unto the Lord. As George Herbert put it, seven whole days not one in seven, I will praise thee. That it's the spiritual life is not separate from our ordinary lives. The call to holiness is the call to do the small things in our lives with great love. The motto of the saints is every moment holy. The psalmist prays, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. And St. Paul teaches us our work when he says, later on in his first letter to the Corinthians, whether ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. That is our task. Commenting on this passage, C.S. Lewis writes, all our merely natural activities will be accepted if they are offered to God, even the humblest. And all of them, even the noblest, will be sinful if they are not. Advent calls us to do whatsoever we do to the glory of God, to offer our whole lives to our Maker and our Redeemer. A word of caution, though, it is not in our power to be holy. We cannot cure ourselves of the damage of sin. But this is precisely where the good news of the gospel shines through, because it means that ultimately our hope does not lie in ourselves, in our faithfulness, but in the faithfulness of God. Christians, St. Paul teaches, are those who wait for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, he continues in our epistle, shall also confirm you 
unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ. God is faithful. That is the hope to which we must cling in Advent and at all times. All our hope on God is founded. The waiting would be too much for us otherwise. But as it is, God gives us what we need to endure even the darkest of times in the promise that Christ will confirm and strengthen and keep us to the end. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We are called to be saints, yes, but only as those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, as St. Paul puts it, called to be holy, as those who are made holy through Jesus Christ our Lord. Our task is to become what we are by God's grace. This doesn't by any means, though, diminish the urgency of Advent. We have no other time given than the present. So we must decide now, today, to put our shoulder to the task, to offer our whole selves and all our doings to the Lord. It's a matter of cosmic importance. We are those, after all, who have been signed with the sign of the cross in our baptisms and enlisted to fight under the banner of Christ crucified against sin, the world, and the devil, called to continue Christ's faithful soldier and servant unto our life's end. And besides, says St. Paul, you know what the hour is, how it is full time now for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. Let us then cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us conduct ourselves becomingly as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Gandalf spoke true. It is not for us to decide what will happen in our time. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the Master cometh, at even, at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. 
For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.